0: Well, good morning, church. We have another special day today. We have another baptism we're going to do today. And so it's kind of neat we got to do these so close together. Uh, the bad thing is I didn't anticipate on having to come up with a new baptism spiel so early. I was going to use the same one typically every time we did a, a child baptism. And so I had to come up with some new material because I do think it's important that we explain and we... we uh, We just have a a reason for why we do what we do. It's important for us because we're remembering our baptism when we baptize new people, aren't we? And so we want to re-experience that. We want to remember it. We want to celebrate it together. And so before we baptize, little case this morning, little case welcher, five-year-old boy, we're going to receive into membership to the church connecting to uh, the body of Christ, And that's an important thing for us, isn't it? You know, I want to read to you something from 2 Timothy. Paul is making, giving Timothy some instructions. He's uh, a young man, probably around 40, going into ministry, and Paul's giving him some important instructions and some important reminders. And I wanted to pick out some things from here you may not have seen before. Because receiving new people into the faith is an important part of our mission. Amen? Amen? This week we're starting a new series on world missions. Church, when we receive children into the church, we're participating in God's mission of bringing people into the kingdom of heaven. And so I just wanted to rehearse for you a few things from Timothy. Last time we talked about how Paul had compared Old Testament circumcision with baptism in the New Testament. That is the physical sign that connects us with the body of Christ, the covenant people of God. Uh, There are other verses in the New Testament, in the book of Acts in particular, where it was common whenever someone came to the Lord, the head of a household in the New Testament, the text says they and their household were baptized so it wasn't just the head of the household an individual choice the entire household that would be the men the women the children the servants the servants children they would have all been baptized and you know it's it's one of the things in american we love american individualism where everything that we have in life gets to be our choice Right? Actually, I have something to confess to you this morning. My kids, I've got three kids. I did not give one of those kids a choice. (laughs) As to what religion. That was a part of their life. They had one thing presented to them and not believing was not an option. Listen, this is important. Uh, My kids did not, they were not given the choice as to whether or not they wanted to be a Christian or not be a Christian. In our household, we're Christians. If they want to do something else, they're going to have to do that all on their own one of these days when they're long and gone from us. But in our household, we're Christians. And just like I don't give my kids the option of using aspirin for a headache, or something really strong, like an opiate. You don't get that choice in my household. And so I wanted to read to you some things that Paul said in 2 Timothy in regards to Timothy's faith. I'm going to cover a couple of chapters and just highlight a couple of verses. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Isn't that neat? Because we have all of those generations here for little Case being baptized this morning, Joe and Neil's great grandbaby. Did I have that right? You know, and then Case's grandma and his parents. And so we have the generations of faith that Paul is referring to in Timothy's own life represented here. And that is really a good thing. It's something to celebrate. Look at what it says in verse 13. Paul is telling Timothy, the faith that you received, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Church, when it comes to our mission, receiving people into the faith through baptism, we're receiving people into some very important information that has been entrusted to us as the church in the Holy Scriptures. It's information that we're guarding. It's the same information that was handed to us 2,000 years ago. It's our responsibility not only to perpetuate that. That's an important part of our mission is guarding that information and making sure that it's passed down and transmitted just as we received it. It doesn't change. The information does not change. Then I'm going to skip over to chapter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Did you know that was in there? but well, I think it's an important prayer that we pray over our kids that they would come to know God from an early age and they're probably capable of that capable of that before we think they are because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus Look at what it says in verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we're going to be baptizing a little case this morning. And we want to be mindful as a church that the actual physical act of baptism, we do believe that Real grace or ability from God is going to be received by Case and his family this morning. But let's not make any mistake about the fact that there's only one thing that saves us, church. The only thing that saves us is faith in a person. It is believing faith in a person. And the text said that it is the scripture's that are capable of making us wise unto salvation. The interesting thing about that word wise, it's the Greek word is the word that we get the English word for sophisticated from. The scriptures are are what is able to make us sophisticated in order to become saved through faith in a person. Jesus Christ. And so what we do when we receive people into baptism, whether it's adults or infants or kids, we are connecting them to the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is stewards of information. We protect the information that we've been handed, and we make sure that we're faithful transmitting it just as we received it. And that is the community. That's the the pool in which everyone is made wise unto salvation. Amen? It's an important thing we do. So I want to ask Case, if you're ready to come forward. I know he's a little nervous. And any one of your family members that wants to come up is welcome. Welcome. Sorry, the, I thought, I assumed Zach, you and Lakin, I did, I forgot to tell you to invite your family members to come up if you wanted to, but we had a good, we had a good service, and so I want to do this as a reminder, there's lots of symbolism in baptism, many different ways that we baptize, there's important symbolism When we baptize by immersion, the symbolism uh, would be the, the dying with Christ and the being raised with Christ. There's important symbolism with that. There's also important symbolism with pouring and sprinkling. And so some of the things that we're reminded of in the Bible are the symbolism of water being poured out from a rock in Egypt, God providing for his people in the desert. There's important symbolism in the Holy Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost. And so with baptism, we are remembering that Christ died for us and Christ was raised for us. And his blood cleanses us so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to enter fully into the salvation that God has freely provided for us through Jesus Christ. And so I want to present to Case and the family the uh, vows of baptism. And of course, church, you'll participate in that with us. And so it's just like getting married. We will ask you the question, and all you got to say is, I do, right? <clears throat> and so on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord, in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture these children in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? And now I want to ask you guys, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? With God's help, we will. Very good. We got some pro-Methodists over here. (laughs) Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you In your care. And you can read it on the screen. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Amen. All right, Case. Come on up, buddy. Mom and dad, if you want to come up as well. <laughs> come on over. Now, we got nice and warm water for you, okay? So this won't be a big shock. All right. Are you ready? Church, let's stretch out your hands towards Case and the family. Case Welcher, in the name of the Father. Father. In the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you into the church of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray over Case right now in the name of Jesus, that his heart would know you and walk with you even now, Father, that he would receive you with joy. And so I want to pray over Case, especially at his age, a curiosity about God, the person of God a curiosity about the Holy Spirit, a curiosity about Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that he would begin talking to you. I pray that he, before he goes to bed at night, he would just wonder about you and begin talking to you, just like he talks to his mom and dad. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd even begin speaking to him, even now, that he would know the word of God, who is a person, his name is Jesus. And so Holy Spirit... Uh, we just thank you for filling him, taking up residence on the inside of him, and the case would really know you and believe in you all the days of his life. Father, thank you for surrounding him with good and godly friends all the days of his life. We thank you, Father, that you have set apart and prepared a good and godly wife for him. Father, that all of the plans and purposes you have for him would be fulfilled because he's received your grace We pray that over him as the church in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. See, that wasn't too bad, was it, buddy? Well, that was a great way to start off a new series. Church, we are in mission together, and it's an important mission. And receiving kids, uh, new believers into the body of Christ is a, an important part of our mission as a church. You know, the church, when it comes to mission, we're starting a new series, Mission Month. We're going to focus on how we participate as a church in the global mission of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to have some important guests and visitors this month. We'll have some live. The Lunlows will be here uh, the weekend after spring break. And there are a couple of missionaries that we've supported for decades, right? i sure you guys know better than me. We'll have a video of another missionary couple that we support. And what was interesting, I met that couple in the office a few weeks ago, and they're actually working with a family that I know well from Amarillo. It is a small world in South Africa. And they said, hey, do you you know this couple that I know uh, in Amarillo? And I was like, yeah, I know them. And it's a small world. Amen? A couple of West Texas people serving in South Africa. They're going to visit us and share with us by video. We'll have a student from the Texas Tech Wesley Foundation coming to share with us. Now, it's called World Missions. Let me tell you this. I know this is a a fact because I'm close to the campus ministry at West Texas A&M University. Do you guys have any idea how many international students come to West Texas to get an education? The nations of the earth are represented on our college campuses at Texas Tech and at West Texas A&M University. You know, one of the reasons that people from other countries want their kids to come to school in West Texas, like there'd be people from all over the world at WT there in Canyon, I thought, how on earth did you find out about this school? And the bottom line is a lot of people from other countries want their kids coming to be educated in this area because it's relatively conservative. And so that's why they send their kids to Texas and to West Texas in particular. And so that's their own testimony. So the nations of the earth are represented on our college campuses and there is significant ministry happening around the world as a result of what happens on college campuses. That's a great mission field. Do you know on average, if a person makes a decision to follow Jesus Christ, they've made it by the age of like 22? It's like the percentage is staggering. 85% 85% of people who make a decision to follow Jesus Christ make that decision by the age of 22. And if they haven't made that decision by that age, the chances that they will ever make a decision like that go down dramatically. So the, the ministry that happens on our college campuses is extremely important. And there are great things happening. I look forward to the testimony from our students at West Texas A&M University and Texas Tech uh, sharing with us. And so we're going to be <clears throat> discussing global missions, what that looks like for us, how we have participated in that project as a church. And so I wanted to kick off this series just kind of connecting some dots in Scripture. Scripture has a lot of things to say about global missions. I'm going to start off in Matthew chapter 24 because I want to show you how Scripture connects the idea of preaching the gospel to the nations with the return of Jesus Christ. There's an important connection to be made. And so I'm going to read from Matthew 24. This is Jesus teaching on the end times. His disciples are curious about the time frame that would accompany Jesus returned to the earth. And so Jesus begins teaching them. He spends that whole chapter teaching them on this topic. And he says something very interesting in verse 14 of Matthew 24. He says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, The end will come. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus says the preaching of the gospel to the entire world, to the nations of the earth, is a very important piece of the puzzle to paving the way for Jesus to come back. And church, let me just say this about that. If you don't have it on your heart, if it's not a desire of your heart, if it's not something that you think about on occasion, the return of Jesus Christ, then we're doing it wrong. Let me tell you what Paul says in 2 Timothy again. Paul says in the final chapter of 2 Timothy, which is chapter 4, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. It says in the book of Titus that we are to uh, say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, the book ends in Revelation, the very final verses of uh, Holy Scripture. In verse 17 of chapter 22, it says, the Spirit and the Bride, which is the church, the Spirit and the Bride. So the Holy Spirit and the New Testament church Are in unison in one voice. And they say come. And let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take. From the free gift of the water of life. Down to verse 20. He who testifies to these things says yes. I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. So church. If we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, and this is an agenda on the Holy Spirit's heart, the consummation of this age, the return of Jesus Christ, there is a very important project that we should care about. And it's the preaching of the gospel to the nations of the earth. Listen, listen, missionaries get this. People who've been called to the mission field, and that's the, the... The passion of their heart, they know their mission is connected with the ultimate plans and purposes of God, which is preparing the nations of the earth for the return of Jesus Christ. And I wanted to share some things about what certain agencies are doing. We shared with you through baptism this morning that the information that we are stewards of as the church, the Holy Scriptures, all Scripture is God-breathed. Timothy says in 2 Timothy, connected to the one, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and training people in righteousness, leading them to salvation. That's both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is all Scripture. It is all God-breathed. It is all authoritative. And because we know that that information that we are stewards of is what leads people to a saving knowledge of God through Jesus Christ, Jesus was the word of God. He was a person, but the only information we have about Jesus, the only specific information we have about Jesus is in this book. This information is extremely important. We are stewards of it. And missionaries get this. And so I want to share with you some things that are happening on the landscape of the church that I think are very exciting. How many of you guys have heard of Wycliffe Bible Translators? It's a a big uh, organization, and I wanted to read some things to you about what they're doing. And there are other organizations as well. One of the things I want to emphasize for us this morning is how we can partner with uh, not only missionaries, but agencies that are that really have it as a priority to make sure the gospel is preached to all the nations. And so on Wycliffe Bible Translators' website, they have some things that are a very specific goal I wanted to share with you that are exciting. It says, In 1917, a missionary named William Cameron Townsend went to Guatemala to sell Spanish Bibles, but he was shocked when many people couldn't understand the books. They spoke Listen, that is a very hard word to pronounce if you saw that spelling, a language without a Bible. Cam believed everyone should understand the Bible, so he started a linguistics school, the Summer Institute of Linguistics, that trained people to do Bible translation. The work continued to grow, and in 1942, Cam officially founded Wycliffe Bible Translators, Over the following decades, Wycliffe celebrated many milestones from the first translation completed in 1951. Now think about the time frame here. That's only 70 years ago, right? All the way to the 500th translation completed in 2000. That's 50 years Around the same time, Wycliffe adopted a new challenge a goal of seeing a Bible translation project started in every language known by 2025. Can you see how the mission that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24? really just got traction a few short years ago and is accelerating quickly. Can you see that? Think about how technology is accelerating that. Increased travel. I mean, this is amazing. This is remarkable. Church, are you listening? This is exciting stuff. In 1999, our leaders realized that the speed we were going, it would be at least 2150, 2150, before a Bible translation could be started for every language that needed one. As they thought about the people perishing around the world every day without receiving the good news of the gospel, they felt God calling them to adopt a new global goal for accomplishing this mission. Our leaders committed to do everything we could to see a Bible translation program in progress in every language still needing one by 2025 Today, at least 2,000 languages are still waiting for a Bible translation to begin. That's a lot. And Wycliffe is working faster than ever to reach those languages as soon as possible. And there are other organizations that have a more uh, modest goal. By the year, uh, Pioneer, it's called Pioneer Bible Translators. They're based out of Texas. Their goal is 2050. By 2050. But listen, all of that is really on the horizon, right? This is important. And so, one of the things I wanted to do to kick off this series is what can we do, church, to participate in that global mission? Listen, we have a very specific mission as the church. We are to receive new believers into the body of Christ and train them, teach them everything that Jesus commanded us. And so we're receiving new believers, and we're training them to be more and more beautiful, the bride that Jesus is calling us to be. It's both of those things. But we're also partnering with bringing the gospel to the nations. Even if we don't physically go move to South Africa or Thailand or parts unknown of the world, we can have a part and make a real impact on what God is doing in those areas. And we are. Amen? So we're going to spend this month really focusing on that and kind of stirring up and stimulating ways that we can participate right here in La Texas. And so on the back table here where we put our literature, some of you thought it might be homework. You saw me walking into this sanctuary with a bunch of paperwork, and it looks like a teacher coming in. You know, this There's homework. And there is, one of the things that you can get back there is a sheet of paper, how to pray for missionaries. So we're gonna have some missionaries visiting and we can pray for them and we can pray for others that we don't even know how to pray for missionaries. And so you can get this and we can spend this month, all of us, uh, just kind of following these instructions. Here are some specific things that you can pray partnering with people that are placed around the world. One other thing that you can get back there is a 30-day prayer calendar. Now listen, these are really short prayers, church. It would only take you a few minutes. Day one, pray that God's word would transform individuals, communities, and nations as it becomes available in every language. So I'll just kind of show you how how that might work. Pray that God's word would transform individuals, communities, and nations as it becomes available in every language. Father, we pray as a church that nations where the word of God is being shared, that they would be transformed as individuals, as communities, and as nations to receive the word that is being translated. Amen. See how easy that is? And so there's a prayer for every day. We can do that for 28 days, and that's how we can kind of participate as a church And listen, that little prayer I just prayed, it was easy. But that's really important. Let's be honest. Do you know how rare and uncommon it is for people to pray for things like that? Just think about how often you do it and have done it, right? So if we spend 30 days doing that, church, that will make a really big impact on the work of God that he's doing in the nations, and it will make him very proud and very happy both to hear our prayers and do something in response to them. Amen? Let me finish up with this. We're going to just do this as a church. We are going to uh, just pray, continue praying for the nations. We're going to pray for this month. And we're going to believe with these, these organizations that God has raised up and called that the mission Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 would come to fruition in the time frame those people are believing it's going to come to. You want to believe that with me this morning? Listen, the return of Jesus Christ is going to mean an end to this crummy present age and world. It's going to be an end to knee and hip replacements. I didn't hear enough amens. I know for a fact that's ministering to somebody. It's going to be an end to not having enough. It's going to be an end to miserable work where we feel unfulfilled, where we're not making the impact that we want to make. And it's going to be the beginning of things that we can't even imagine. If you're not longing for that and looking for that, there's something wrong. Church, let's pray together. Father, we do stir up in our minds and hearts the great goal that you've called us to not only becoming the church that you're calling us to become, becoming the people that you're calling us to become, receiving the people that you're calling us to receive, all of that's our mission. But the gospel that you have proclaimed and provided for us, being preached to the entire world, to all of the nations, we want to pray for that this morning. We want to partner with your work in bringing that about. And those are some lofty goals. 2025 is just a few years away. 2050. So Father, we want to pray right now uh, for Wycliffe Bible Translators, for the Pioneer Bible Translating Institute, others that are really engaged in making sure that the word of God is understood and proclaimed to the nations. Father, we pray that you would energize their work. We pray that you provide for them financially. We pray, Father, that you would give them gifted and talented men and women to translate the word of God accurately, quickly, that it would be preached effectively. Father, we pray that You would prepare the people to whom you're sending it, that they would be ready to receive it. Your Holy Spirit has been working long before they're ever going to get any information. Your Holy Spirit has been been working. We just pray that you would fast track the progress that they're making. They've got natural gifts and abilities that you're providing. We ask for a release of supernatural gifts and abilities that go beyond what they're capable of doing in and of themselves. Holy Spirit, continue the great work that you're doing. Energize it and accelerate it, we we pray. And we believe with them, we believe with them that the word of God will be translated in progress of being translated by 2025, 2050. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask this partnership with them and everybody said amen look forward to hearing from our missionary families and visitors look forward to hearing what god has to say to us as a church about our mission we have a mission here and now we have a mission in partnership with uh, ministries that are uh, working and functioning throughout the world so church with that being said let's stand up and worship god together